When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Succession. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It's Monday, June 13th, 2022. The word of the day is succession. I don't mean the TV show, but the TV show represents real life. There's a reason why succession is so successful, because people love watching families implode. It is the most bizarre thing in real life when a parent owns an asset And it can be in real estate, it can be in sports, it can be a law firm, it can be a corner grocery store, it can be a real estate company, it can be a building company, maintenance company, an elevator fixing company. It doesn't matter what it is. When there is a family-owned business, one of the things that comes up as the kids get older is, what is the succession plan? We just watched an entire series called Winning Time which we reviewed about Dr. Jerry Buss, the owner of the Lakers, and who is going to take over when he died, because news alert, we're all gonna die, so act accordingly. And eventually, Jeannie Buss took over, but there's, there's drama, which is why I said to you a couple weeks ago on the show that succession plans to leagues matter because they want to avoid any sort of public spat over the ownership of a team. And when the teams are worth five or $10 million, there's conversations that happen. When they're worth billions of dollars, unfortunately, it's more than conversations. Often it turns into lawsuits. Why would families ever get into lawsuits about a succession plan? Well, if you look at the TV show, why would Jeremy Strong say to his siblings and to his father, F off? Well, that's also the father who does that, but basically saying, I want to be in charge. No, I want to be in charge. That's what a succession argument is, right? It's not just about who owns what percentage, because that very rarely is what's at issue. It's who's going to be the public face, who's going to be the public steward. We're going to go left or we're going to go right. We're going to keep going down the middle. It's the future of the company. And then who's going to be recognized as being the decision maker in the family? So what rich people do when they have estate lawyers, and there are a bunch of estate lawyers, all the rich people you know have these fancy estate lawyers. They start these firms. They claim they're so good at figuring out what to do. And in fact, all they're doing is taking a piece of the estate because they get paid. I assure you, they get paid significant amounts. But they become friendly with people who own assets and uh, who are very wealthy, and their job is basically to do as much as they can to screw the government out of taxes, estate taxes, and screw the owner of the assets out of as much money of the estate as possible, because at the end of the day, those lawyers are like agents. They're there to get a piece of the pie. Hard stop. That's pretty common. 
And so what they do is they say, we have an idea. We're going to put the team in a trust. And then we're going to put the trust to the benefit of your kids. And the parents say, well, that's a good idea. I want my kids to be involved. And I want my kids to work together. One of the things that I have in my future after I die, by the way, and I started it now, a little detour about having kids work together. I have three kids. I was able to start a small, but it doesn't matter, it's a start, a charitable fund. And the terms of the charitable fund is that each year, a certain percentage has to be given to charity, but it's the three kids who run the fund, my three kids, who are now 27, 24, and 19, roughly. And I do that because, the, anyway, it doesn't matter why I do it. To show that there's three years apart than five years apart, right? So really it's 26, 24, and 18, but really the 18-year-old turns 19 in 10 days, nine days, just whatever, 27, 24, and 19. And under the terms of the foundation, they have to choose together which charities are gonna get donations each year from the charitable foundation. So the kids get together every year, they submit to each other what charities, and the rule is that each child gets to choose a charity and they cannot be denied. It doesn't matter if they have a political difference, it doesn't matter if one likes manatees, one likes whales, and one hates animals, it doesn't matter. Each kid gets one choice. Then they've got to get together and agree on another. So let's say four charities get money each year. That makes the kids, our view of that, when my wife and I put that together, was to make it so the kids going forward after we croaked would, if for no other reason, once a year, get together in person and make these charitable bequests. So that's a good plan, I think. I like that. It teaches charity. They'll teach their kids. I hope that gets passed down the way charity was learned for me by my grandparents to me, now to my kids, hopefully to my grandchildren. But when it comes to a billion dollars of an asset, don't have that. But if I had, I'm not sure it would work out that well. And there are two examples that came out in the last week of examples where the estate attorneys took care of the owners, but didn't give a flying rat's pituitary gland about what would result from it. So they get together with Peter Angelos, the owner of the Baltimore Orioles, and they say, listen, we have an idea. Put the team in a trust, and inside the trust, because you're old and you've had a situation and you can't run the team anymore, Inside the trust is going to be the Orioles team, plus all the other assets we own. And we're going to have my two sons run the trust equally. Great idea, Peter said to his lawyer. Love it. Alex Spanos, the owner of the Chargers, said the same thing in the NFL. When we die, me and my wife, we've, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put it, our team, the Chargers, in a trust for our three kids. Outstanding. Well, how's it going to work? Major League Baseball gets very interested in these succession plans. They want to know, wait for it, who's going to be the control person? A control person in Major League Baseball is the sole person, no matter how many people own the team, that person is responsible at the end of the day for every decision that is made by Major League Baseball on behalf of that team. 
So when there's a vote of 30 owners on a collective bargaining agreement, whether it's going to pass or not, when there's a vote by 30 owners on a change of control for another team, on the sale of a team, on rule changes, on any sort of thing that requires a vote of owners, they don't go around when they're taking votes in the room where it happens during owners meetings. They're not asking me as the team president when it comes to the Marlins. That's Jeffrey Laurie, the owner. He's the control person, the owner. And when it comes time to vote for new commissioner or anything, it's Marlins that you call it by name, Braves. And then the control person gives the vote. Boston Red Sox. You may think that Fenway Sports Group owns the Boston Red Sox, and you may be right. But the control person is not Tom Werner as much as he'd like to be. It's John Henry. So at the end of the day, John Henry gets to break every tie. But the team and the way it's owned, that is contractual. And Major League Baseball and the National Football League, they say they care a whole heck of a lot about the way the ownership group is formed and who owns what percentage and how much and how those ownership groups operate. They want to see a plan when you're buying a team like when Jeter bought the Marlins. They want to see an operating plan. They want to see a succession plan. They want to see who's in charge of what, when, how, and who owns what percentage of what. But truthfully, what they're concerned is, is who's the control person? Because other than that, it doesn't impact us. All of a sudden, Peter Angelos becomes unable to function. His team's in a trust operated and owned equally by his two sons. But they need a new control person. Major League Baseball votes, and I was around for this vote, for John Angelos to become the control person. I think I was around for it. I can't remember what year he became the control person. But we knew before I left baseball, we knew Peter Angelo stopped going to meetings. He was not even at the meeting where the commissioner was voted in way back those number of years. We just, he just we knew that he was sick, that something had happened. And his sons got more involved, John and Lou, because that's who'd be at the meetings. That's who we'd hear from. And when you're another team and you look at the Orioles, whether they're winning, whether they're losing, whether they're people in the stands or not, you look at the Suns and say, all right, you know, it's their turn. You know, Peter Angelos was impossible to deal with, but these guys are good and we're ready to go. We never pay attention nor care because we're worried about our own stuff. What's going on behind the scenes? And what's going on behind the scenes in Baltimore is the brothers are fighting like the Hatfields and the McCoys. What's going on behind the scenes with the Chargers is the siblings are fighting like the Hatfields and the McCoys. Now, what would the fights be about? Well, I'm going to take one at a time because they're both different, but they end up in the same place, which is the judicial branch of our United States government. Yes, that third branch of government, which is where conflicts are supposed to be solved. Of course, Major League Baseball and the NFL, they sit around in their fiefdoms and they say, you know, we'll be the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch. We're going to take care of anything. It, you got a problem? Arbitration. You want to know who's in charge? I am, says the different commissioners. It's pretty good, actually. Sports, sports teams and leagues, sports leagues are like our government. Yeah, we've got the branches. They're totally separate, don't worry. It's like a joke. Of course they're not separate. They're totally aligned under one person. That's why our government actually has three different branches, which can't be controlled by the same person. Nah, the leagues don't matter. Okay, so 
Let's go through the Angelos family fight first, if you don't mind. So there's two brothers, John and Lou. John was named the control person. The trust is in the name of both John and Lou. They're supposed to be running the team. But all of a sudden, something weird happens. Very strange. John Angelos starts taking a little more control. John Angelos starts saying, you know what? I don't want this person to be working for the Orioles. I want to fire Brady Anderson. I want to get rid of this GM. I want to get rid of this scout. I want to change the way things are done. And Lou Angelos says, well, wait a minute. I don't want to do any of those things. And you wouldn't tell me that you were doing those things. And we're supposed to be doing everything together. And then a rumor came out that John Angelos was doing all this to move the team to Tennessee to be near his wife, who's a Nashville movie or Nashville country singer producer. It's so ridiculous, but it made headlines. Orioles moving to Tennessee as sons fight for control. Question mark? Statement? John Angelos, who's being sued by his brother for illegally taking control of the trust and moving assets around while his father was sleeping, literally, taking advantage of Lou Angelos, had to release a statement today, which is just something else. He had to make sure that you all knew that the Orioles are not moving to Tennessee. Out of all the things going on, the siblings are fighting. There's no true succession plan because the boys are 50-50 partners. And so Peter Angelos doesn't care. Peter Angelos' state attorney certainly doesn't care. But it's a problem now for baseball, who didn't used to care because John was the control person. And now it's a problem for baseball. Time out, Coca. It's not a problem for baseball. <gasps> because the commissioner wants the Angelos family to sell the team. Wow, Machiavelli has entered the room. When you want a team to sell, hmm, don't solve the issues. Make sure there's a fight, and then the result of the fight is a disposition of assets where in order to pay for the settlement, you have to raise cash through your biggest asset, which is the baseball team, Eureka! Another team for sale. We've always thought within baseball that the Orioles were for sale because we thought Angelos was going to sell the team as part of a real estate plan, as in R-E-A-L. No, not, well, it is real, but not real estate. As part of a true estate plan. Real. <laughs> okay, so he does a statement. John says, as I've said before, as long as Fort McHenry is standing watch over the inner harbor, the Orioles will remain in Baltimore. He did say that, by the way, in 2019. But I can't tell you, it never happens. So you know that. You know that when, when presidents and owners are speaking to you, the fans and the media, they're always telling the full truth and nothing but the truth. So help them God. Never misleading, never telling you what you want to hear. So it's definitely true that the Orioles, as long as Fort McHenry is standing watch over the inner harbor, they're never leaving Baltimore. Ever. And then he says in his statement, my mother was born and raised in Baltimore. Okay. Who cares? Then he talks about the work they've done since I was appointed chairman and CEO, according to my parents' expressed wishes. Horse hockey. Anyway, and he had to put in the statement, I was voted as the control person for the team by the 30 major league clubs. 
Got to put that in there. There's a lawsuit happening. It's got to be clear that I'm the control person. I'm in charge. Guess what, John? That's not what the lawsuit's about. It's not about whether you're the control person because you were voted the control person. It's about whether or not you're violating terms of the trust and whether or not you're operating like a bird dog. That you're doing things without your brother's knowledge permission. Whether you're not playing nicely with your brother in the sandbox. So he goes on in his statement to talk about how great things are in Baltimore. There's nothing uncertain about the future of the Baltimore Orioles. I want to assure everybody from players, coaches, to front office, to fans, to partners, to civic officials, nonprofit leaders, our entire community, that the Orioles will never leave. Here's a hint, John, for your new lawyer. Never say never. It's a terrible word to put in a statement. Then he lists some of their famous players, Brooks Robinson, Earl Weaver, Cal Ripken, Jim Palmer, Eddie Murray. (laughs) And then he says, Baltimore is the finest city and birthplace of our national anthem, of which we are enduringly proud and to which we are forever committed. Huh? What, you had to put in something about the anthem to make sure that everyone knew that you didn't like people kneeling or saying bad things about the anthem? Where in your statement does it talk about what you are alleged to have done to your brother? Are you not defending yourself? All you're saying is that you did not tell anyone or try to move the team to Tennessee? That's not what you should be saying in your statement. The whole lawsuit, right, is what Lou is saying is that you intended to maintain absolute control over the Orioles, to manage, to sell, or if he chooses to move to Tennessee where he has a home and where his wife's career is headquartered without having to answer to anyone. That's what the lawsuit is about. The lawsuit is that you, John, did things to Louie that took steps. You actually took steps that he can prove in court that you seized control of the club and it was against your father and mother's wishes. That's what's being alleged. Why would you release a statement? If you're going to release a statement, why would you release a statement that's so irrelevant? The fact that you love Baltimore? Do you know what the judicial branch thinks of whether or not you want it to move to Tennessee? They don't care. They only want to know whether there's a legal document that has been violated by the act of one of the parties, period. We spoke to you last week about more family fighting that caused a sale of a team. Do you remember the Waltons just bought the Broncos for $4.65 million? Do you remember the fact that Pat Bolin died, Jim Bo- Pat Bolin died, and then all of his kids were fighting? And then the trust just had to sell because the kids could not get it together. Why do parents do that? Why do parents do that to their kids? Succession, the TV show, is not because it's some made-up fiction. It's because this is what happens in families where no matter whether it's your sibling, whether it's your mother. I first got experience with this in high school when a friend of mine sued her his or her, I don't want to give it away because it's probably Googleable. grandmother and mother over a family trust and family real estate. And I remember thinking to myself at that point, no matter how successful my family ever gets, I'm never, never say never, never going to fight with my siblings. Ever. The Spanos family owns the Chargers, the football team. 
This is a good lawsuit. This is an interesting one. Totally different than the Angelos lawsuit in terms of what's being alleged. Except not. What do I mean? Remember in the Angelos case, it's two sons on the team and one son is saying, you're not being nice to me. You're not letting me make decisions. You're taking over when you shouldn't have taken over. The Spanos has died. They own the Chargers and they died. And they said, we have a great idea. We're going to leave our entire team, the Chargers, which is quite a, quite a huge asset. And we're going to put in a trust. And we are going to have all of our kids work together. Three of them. Well, guess what? Dean Spanos, who's been running the Chargers, is being sued by his sister, D. Spanos who's alleging that Dean is a misogynist and that he has breached the fiduciary duty. Now, breaching fiduciary duty is a big word. What it means is when you've got fiduciary duty, you've got responsibility to all of the people who own the asset for which you are in charge. And you have to do everything you can to do as much as you can to build the value of that asset, to run that asset in a responsible way in order to make sure that someone who's not in control but has ownership is bearing the fruits of that investment. And for whatever reason, what D. Spanos's claim is, is that not only are the children not working together, but in fact, Dean underwent a systemic plan this is her brother, by the way, a systemic plan to make her feel like she wasn't worthy because she was a girl. To make it as though he ran the team in a way that was irresponsible, which is ironic because he owns as much of the team as she does, but that he did things solely because he wanted to make it clear, I am man, you are woman, I'm in charge. Ugh. So she filed a lawsuit. He had to respond to the lawsuit. And his response, it's damn good. It's unfortunate that our sister D, who clearly has no interest in continuing to participate in the family business, has resorted to false and provocative charges in an attempt to oppose her will on the rest of the family. The three of us and our children represent more than 75% of the family and its ownership of its business. We stand united in support of our parents' and grandparents' wishes, including the continued ownership and operation of the Chargers. Because that's exactly what the parents said before they died. They said, kids, we want you never to sell the Chargers. Keep it going. If you got to move it, you got to move it. But keep it going. Please don't fight. Come on. These titans who do these estate plans are not interested because they say, I'll be dead. What's the difference? You really want your kids fighting? You're really proud? I think Peter Angelos is proud that his kids are suing each other? Or Spanos is proud that his three kids can't get along? I wonder if Brian Cox, the head of succession, looks out at his kids who fight and don't get along and says... That's the type of patriarch I always envisioned that I would be. Is it not a reflection of the head of a family when your family doesn't get along? Some people would say no. I just want you to think about it. 
I want to think about whether or not it doesn't matter whether you have a billion dollar company or whether you have a million dollar company or whether you have no company at all. What's the legacy? Is not your best legacy that your siblings, that your kids love their siblings and that they get along and that they recognize that family is more important than all of it, even money? The show that we do here called Nothing Personal, when we say it's just business, it's nothing personal. The reason that that's our line, the reason that that's our show is that that is what is real. But to me, I want it to be real in the business sense only, right? Family should be personal. But when you work with family, which can be very hard, sometimes you have to know that it's not going to end well. And if it does end well, it's a credit to everyone in the family. When it doesn't end well, people barely blink an eye. They just say, oh, obviously they're fighting over money. Boy, does that not become personal? Or when brothers are suing each other, or brothers and sisters are suing each other, they should listen to Free to Be You and Me, the song Brothers and Sisters. Brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers. Go get that. Free to Be You and Me. Listen to it. Well, I have one more message to the kids, the Angelos kids and the Spanos kids, and to anybody who is suing a member of their family because you've been wronged or because you feel like you didn't get your fair shake, because you feel like you didn't get enough in the will, because of all the reasons why lawsuits happen, which is money. Here's what I want you to think about. As your time is wasting and evaporating and heading towards zero, zero being the moment you die, Explain to me your allocation. Explain to me when you value the juice and the squeeze, whether getting into a lawsuit with your family, with your siblings, over a dollar, a million, or a billion is time well spent. Just tell me your thought process. He's a bad guy. My brother's a piece of crap. Hate him. He's on the right. I'm on the left. I'm on the right. He's on the left. We were treated differently. He was the favorite child. I wasn't the favorite child. He's got the good-looking family. I don't. He's got the successful businesses outside of our family business. I don't. Whatever the jealousies, he was, I was bullied. He was, and I didn't get a prom date. She did. Whatever the case is, all of the reasons that build up and fester, and then all of a sudden you're backed yourself into a corner because you're not talking to your sibling. Then you're really not talking to your sibling. Then you don't know what to say to your sibling, and then you say, screw it. I'm not even going to talk to my sibling anymore. You know what? I'm going to ratchet that up. I'm going to sue my sibling because I'm going to say, hey, we got to protect the family assets. We got to maximize the family assets. I need a bigger house. I need a bigger boat. We're going fishing for jaws. I just want you to think about it. Before you file a document and go to the point of no return, where the toothpaste is out of the tube and you can never get it back, where you ring a bell that can never be unrung, I want you to think about what's winning. That's how I've spent my life. When you're in sports, it's all about the definition of what's winning. If you think that winning is suing your sibling and then somehow getting money that you thought you deserved, if you think that's winning, you're playing the wrong game. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. How was your weekend? Hope you did something good. I had an unveiling yesterday, by the way, Coca. An unveiling is when you go to the cemetery where we buried my dad and my sister in the past year. And after a year in Judaism, they unveil the tombstone because before that, it's an unmarked grave and then you mark it. So you've got a place to go visit in theory. And I was thinking to myself, double unveilings? God, that sucks. But your family gets together and you shed a tear and you think about what's transpired. It's supposed to be in Judaism, then unveiling marks the end of the year of grieving. That's what you're supposed to do. You grieve a year for your parents. You don't go out. You don't do anything. You don't travel. Like you really don't do anything other than just say Mourner's Cottage every day. I did not do that. I'm not that religious. Of course, you think about your family. What I kept thinking about going through, I hate cemeteries, by the way. Like I hate them with a passion because it reminds me of my own mortality. And I look at the tombstones and say, what's it all for? That person's got a dash, right? 1939 dash 2021 was, is my dad's. 1965, 2021 is my sister's. And they're dashes, right? And I'm looking at all the other ones with the family names and you don't know them. And what, what for what? Uh, I don't want to think about it. It was a horrible day. But, a, but an, a good weekend when I wasn't having a horrible weekend. And I still watch a movie every day. But thank you for listening to Nothing Personal. Thank you for telling your friends about it. We are rolling on through June here. We are two weeks away more on July 7th. That is when I'm heading to Kilimanjaro. We're going to talk about what's going to happen in July here as we move forward. But I wanted to tell you what I watched this weekend and it was called Fire Island. Fire Island is a movie on, I don't know. I want to say it was on Hulu, but I can't properly fully remember. And it was written and stars a guy named Joel Kim Booster. Fire Island is a place in New York. It's an island off Long Island, which is very known for being the gay mecca where men go and they just are able to party in peace. Sort of like... Daytona Beach for college kids, that's what Fire Island is. And this movie was a old story of a group of people, a group of guys who go to a place and they try to find love, they try to find sex, they try to party. And it is the story of people who fall in love. Is it love for the week? Is it love for the night? Is it love for the day? Is it love for all time? So it's got romance to it. And I had not seen a movie. Most of these movies are heterosexual. This movie was homosexual. It's all about men falling in love with men and what it is. And I learned about what Fire Island was because I'd never known that my whole life. Even growing up in New York, I was not aware. And it's true that's where men go in Fire Island. There's also a place in called Provincetown. Like there's these places where, you know, are known sort of like Daytona Beach, as I said. So Joel Kim boosters this really strapping physical specimen. And then I found out after the movie, this strapping, good-looking guy uh, is also the writer and the star. I never heard of him. 
The reason I want you to watch Fire Island is that now in 2022, we're making movies that look different, that feel different. Remember when uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came out and it was a big deal because it was a great movie, but there was it was mostly fully Asian people. I'm not sure why, but you have to start somewhere. But that should not be noteworthy anymore. Just like it should be noteworthy when a woman directs a film or a woman stars in a film, right? None of that. It should just be who are the best people able to write, direct, produce, and star. I want quality. Joel Kim is quite, quite talented. Fire Island is the name of the movie. You should watch it. You're going to learn something and you're going to broaden your horizons as well. How you doing, Jack? To all the Jacks out there, are you so happy your last name isn't Del Rio? I want to read you a quote, if that's okay. I think you're going to like this quote. I'm not going to talk about, you know, stuff that I talk with my coaches about. Especially stuff that's off the field not pertaining to football. It's just, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. That's Ron Rivera of the Washington Commandskins. The day after Jack Del Rio sent his tweet talking about the January 6th insurrection and saying, I don't even know why we're talking about that and we're not talking about all of the bad stuff that happened and all the riots and looting that happened after the death of George Floyd, etc. And it created an uproar. We covered it on a show last week. Make sure that you listen to it if you haven't already. So Ron Rivera said, we're good. We got nothing to say. Everyone's got their own opinion. Guess what happened this weekend? Ron Rivera updated his quote. This morning, I met with Coach Del Rio to express how disappointed I am in his comments on Wednesday. His comments do not reflect the organization's views and are extremely hurtful to our great community here in the DMV. As we saw last night in the hearings, what happened on the Capitol on January 6th was an act of domestic terrorism. Coach Del Rio did apologize for his comments on Wednesday. He understands the distinction between the events of that dark day and peaceful protests, which are a hallmark of our democracy. No, he doesn't. We told you Jack Del Rio and what he said. Then he doubled down and then he was forced to apologize when he called it a dust up because he realized that he better apologize. Negative. He was told to apologize by his lawyers and his owner. And hopefully that would have been it. But Ron Rivera then. I want to make it clear that our organization will not tolerate any equivalency between those who demanded justice in the wake of George Floyd's murder and the actions of those on January 6th who sought to topple our government. Wow, Ron, you didn't have that view right after it happened. What happened in the interim, Ron? that you ended with after reflecting on the situation and circumstances, I've decided to fine Coach Del Rio $100,000. Let me explain to you why we say as sports executives and coaches and GMs and owners, we, we like the sentence, after reflection, after spending time learning about the situation, we decided to do blank. After first saying we were going to do X, 
we took a breath, we spoke to people, and now we've decided, oh, uh, we had the epiphany that we're going to do why. Horse hockey. You didn't have an epiphany. You didn't reflect on the situation. It got away from you. Why not be honest with us, coach, and just say, what I said in the beginning is exactly how I felt. I had no idea that this story would not die after a day. And I didn't realize that we were going to have problems from ownership saying, hey, we're losing money, we're losing sponsors, we're losing fans, players are angry. We've got a stadium to build. We've got politicians to make sure that we can corral. We got to deal with this. Oh, I got you. I got you, Danny boy. I'm going to reflect. And when I'm done reflecting, I'm going to release a new statement where I'm going to find Jack Del Rio. That'll prove how serious we are about the difference between the January 6th insurrection and the attempt to topple our government and the peaceful protests. It's perfect. I've reflected. Now, the $100,000 that the team is going to get from Jack Del Rio, I'd like to see that canceled check, which the team will donate to the United States Capitol Police Memorial Fund. Wow. The United States Capitol Police Memorial Fund, a fund designed for the Capitol Police who got killed in the attempt to topple the government. Hmm. Thank you, Jack. What an amazingly nice gesture for you to give your $100,000 fine to the team, the command skins, and then have it donated to the United States Capitol Police Memorial Fund. That must be first on your charity list every year. This is laughable, folks. The command skins are being called on to fire Jack Del Rio. Players are not happy. Sponsors, fans. Jack Del Rio is not going to be the defensive coordinator of the commanders for long. Because guess what's coming next? Another reflection. Another press release. After further conversations with Jack Del Rio, it's going to read... We have reflected and decided that it would be in the best interests of this team to move forward without him. We appreciate his service as defensive coordinator, and we have announced the hiring of Dr. John Cocktoston to be our new defensive coordinator. That's happening, folks. As a matter of fact, that's a wait to see. Jack Del Rio is going to get terminated. Wait to see when we tell you something's going to happen. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We will revisit it. Jack Del Rio will get terminated prior to week one of this upcoming NFL season. Because this story and what Jack Del Rio did, people don't want to forget. Because people at the end of the day, whether you watch Fox or you watch MSNBC, it doesn't matter. You want to make sure that when you go to the grocery store and you walk outside your house, that you know what kind of government we have. You wait to see. Shame on you, Ron Rivera. Shame on you. And by the way, Danny boy, that shouldn't be coming from Ron Rivera, the coach, finding one of his active coaches. I've never heard of such a thing. Him making the statement? 
That's because you're so polarizing, Danny boy. What about your president, Jason Wright? Why is your coach making the statement so he can be the good guy? We've got to make Ron Rivera the face of our franchise. That's what's going to turn it around. We're going to fool everybody, have him make the announcement of the fine to say that he reflected. He didn't care what Jack said. You told him to care. You know it. You know why. You know why. So we do revisit those wait-to-sees. We had a wait-to-see about a guy named Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier, someone you don't know, he's a guy who used to be on the Yankees, then he went to the Cubs. And I said on December 9th, 2021, six months ago, I said Clint Frazier will be on a major league roster all year. Guess what? The Cubs designated for assignment. That means they're releasing him. He can't even stay on the Cubs. The Cubs who stink so badly. That's how bad Frazier's been. Guess what? That way to see Coca, that's a no. We got it wrong. All right. We went one and one. We had the Diamondbacks beating the Phillies. Zach Gallen got absolutely crushed on Friday night. So we are 70 and 54 because what we also told you, as you recall, was to make sure that you bet the Warriors if Steph Curry played in game four, or the Celtics if Steph Curry didn't play. As you recall, Steph Curry played, but we didn't know when we were taping the show. But guess what? Steph Curry played and won in Boston. The Warriors covered, as I told you they would, with Curry playing. We're 70 and 54. We've got, it's been a while. There hasn't been a game since Friday. We've got game five. The most important game of a series, right? Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning who won game five against the Rangers and then game six. They're going to the cup. I don't know why I'm just talking about that, Coca. I'm just into it. The Lightning and the Avalanche are playing in the Stanley Cup. What a great series it's going to be as the Lightning go for three in a row, which is just incredible this day and age to win three of anything in a row. But game fives matter. When you win game five, it is very likely you're going to win the series. The Warriors are at home. Thank God that the Celtics are on the road. The Celtics... Don't lose back-to-back games in the playoffs. They are way better on the road than anybody else. The Warriors have a small problem. The problem is that without Curry, they can't win. But with Curry, you're not going to beat him four to seven times. Warriors are giving four to the Celtics. Steph Curry, are you playing? Come on, are you? All right, we're taking you. Make sure you watch game five. Warriors minus four over the Celtics. All right, I want to finish with one little thing that happened in baseball. And we talked about what happened when Tony La Russa, do you remember when he, uh, we did a video about this, Coke, I don't remember what day, but he's the manager of the Chicago White Sox. He's the one who did an intentional walk to Trey Turner prior to giving up a three-run homer to Max Muncy, which was totally insane. And they ended up losing that game by two runs. Well, now people on the south side are getting really, really angry with Tony La Russa. The White Sox are now four games under 500, definitely the most disappointing team in baseball, and fans are now chanting to fire Tony La Russa. I've got a message to fans. All of you who bought airplanes with banners behind that said, fire the Wilpons or sell the team Wilpons, those New Yorkers, all of you who yell, Pot Van sucks. That's not for a firing, but 
those New Yorkers, those old New Yorkers know exactly what I'm saying. Nah, 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 nah. Pot fan sucks. You guys never even met him. All of you who call for the firing of managers, you're booing players. When players are striking out, they're 0 for 10 or 0 for 20, and you start booing, or you start being upset with your manager. I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, there is zero impact on the front office with what you do. I'm sorry. I'm just giving it to you straight as an arrow. When Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and Jerry Reinsdorf hear you booing Tony LaRussa, that doesn't make them want to fire him more or less. They listen to what Tony LaRussa says to the media. They watch Tony LaRussa in the clubhouse and whether or not he's lost the clubhouse, whether or not he's lost the voice, whether or not they think a change is required for a team that's underperforming, or whether or not it's the injuries that have caused them to underperform. But front offices decide why teams are where they are. Sometimes it leads to firings, like with Joe Madden and with Joe Girardi. Sometimes it doesn't lead to firings. But none of it is because of what fans are doing. So, I've got a much better suggestion. It's like the, uh, the complaint numbers, like on products or questions. Like, if you have any questions about this product, please call 1-800-869-6496. Or if you have any suggestions on how we can better improve your customer service, please call 1-976-SPORTS. We did that for the ballpark. All these teams, right, we're building the ballpark. Give us your suggestions. And then we had to say, we're listening to your suggestions. We got this from one of the fan suggestions. We got our new name from a fan. We got our new logo from a fan. We're always trying to say that we get things from you. We put groups of fans together and came up with what we think is the best name for the Cleveland Indians. And you told us Guardians. It's so wrong. I'm sorry. Don't you rather know the truth? I'm not saying that you're farting against the wind. I'm just saying you may want to wear a gas mask. So Tony's not worried about being fired because you're chanting it down in the south side. Not even remotely. What Tony's worried about is whether or not Jerry Reinsdorf is going to say, I love you, Tony. I do. I really want you to manage my team. But hey, I'm getting older. This team should be winning the Central, and we're not. Tony, I think I'm going to have to let you go. Thank God the fans get what they want. Come on. You know what owners do. You know what presidents and GMs do. It's just business. This is nothing personal.